This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We'd be in Vegas right now. That's, I actually booked my flight to Vegas and obviously canceled it. But we'd be in Vegas right now. Yeah, so anyway, I was yeah, it would have been the All Star break right now. Instead, it's Tax Day. Like, what a what a crazy uh, chain of events. Yeah, and and then last year you were gone too. You were in the wedding, so I didn't even see you last July. So it went from once a year to, to you know, at best, it'll have been three years if, it, if next year, next July. But who knows? I mean, we do you foresee it ever happening again? This company trip. Yeah, I don't know. I'm mean, First of all, it's a really expensive trip for us. Like we spend, we spend a lot of money on it, and of course, you know, with no baseball coming, mean, we have some baseball signups, but we we're like, all right, well, we couldn't travel anyway, but we also canceled the trip, so there was like some savings involved in that. And oh, yeah. it's like, well, you know, if everything goes on track for football and COVID is kind of contained, yeah, we probably would do it, assuming Vegas is not a lawless zombie apocalypse <laughs> type of situation, which I easily could see it uh, being. But uh, I don't know. I really don't know, actually, whether we'll do it next year. I mean, I, I, I believe it's literally been the state that's hit the hardest as far as jobs, but which makes sense, obviously, right? Well, it's all tourism, right? It's all people. Yeah. It's yeah. all travel, and so of course it's been hit the hardest. And you know, you feel bad for the people there. I, it's just it's an artificial environment, and I think one thing. And again, like a lot of people see this as, oh, it's a temporary crisis. We'll get over this. The V-shaped recovery. We'll go back to 2019. And we talked about this so much, but I think that's gone forever. I think the party's over and that we're going to be in a new situation in terms of what's going on. I don't, I, I think like it's actually surprised me that the economic structure has held up as long as it has. I know for a lot of people losing jobs, they don't feel that way. It's not holding up for them. But that even like the semblance of order is doing as well as it is. Like this actually exceeds. This is in my like 85th percentile range of outcomes when everything was going down in April. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just gonna come back. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but it still seems like all, that we were already, if there were no virus at all, in a huge bubble. And it sped up the process, though. I mean, that's for sure. Well, it sped up the Fed making reserves available for the banks, it sped up the way that money's being even more maldistributed through society. But there's still, I mean, you know, the grocery stores still have groceries. You know, the coffee shops still have coffee. There's lockdowns happening in a couple places. But, you know, the things still are there. The goods and services are there. So it hasn't 
gone into now, some kind of total collapse, which like, is good. I mean, it's, you know, that's scary if the grocery store is no longer available. That's when things get really scary. I was thinking about that myself, actually. It's funny you bring that up. This, uh, the, you know, the supply chain seems to be relatively fine right now, um, probably jinxing myself. But what, what happens with the, with the China? Because the stuff there does look like it's deteriorating, and we're going to separate ourselves further there. And there, you know, what, 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 do you, what does that mean for the future? I mean, I've read a bunch of stuff. I read this really uh, – I, I watched like a YouTube. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was Steve Bannon, Trump's political consultant guy who everyone hates. He looks like – someone made a joke that – It's because how he looks. Yeah, he looks. Well, well it's, it's also like he's a pretty harsh util- – you know, I'm really down on utilitarianism. I think it's a, a horribly morally bankrupt philosophy, and he's a utilitarian in my opinion. He'll do whatever to get his way. He'll launch attacks on people. He's very hardcore, but that doesn't mean he's not smart or informed. It just means he's – he just plays like a game of hardball that I wouldn't, I don't agree with or I don't like. But I read a, a video, I, I watched a video of him and I read an article, an interview of him. And he's very sharp, like he knows what's going on. And I'm not saying that, you know, take it at face value, but he seems to think that China is waging war against us already. That the economic and information war is already completely on. It's not a cold war, it's a hot war. It's mm. and and it's very high stakes, and he thinks that to avoid a hot war where we're actually, I mean, a, he calls it a kinetic war where we're actually killing each other, and obviously, U.S. military, Chinese military, that's not something anyone wants to see. That that's such a disaster that he thinks we need to be way hardcore, cut off all of their funding, cut off all of their. He says like the eight families that control the Communist Party, that they have assets all over the West just completely take their assets, completely you know, divest them of all their real estate and banking accounts all across the Western Europe and the U.S. and bankrupt those people and let the revolution happen for the Chinese people. I mean, what he says is the Chinese people are the biggest victims of anybody of this hor- horrific communist regime, and that, but that we're already sort of in this World War III, and if we don't, if we don't fight back hard economically on them and realize the situation that this will end up being a shooting war because they're going to have so much power and control that we're going to end up backed into a corner. I don't know if he's right. Obviously I'm not an expert on this, but he's not a moron. He, he definitely is smart. And uh, it just made me start thinking and that his idea is that the elites in the U S basically sold out to China. Like they, they have a big enough economy. It's almost as big as the U S is that they could bribe our elites to go along with a lot of these changes. And then we're in too deep. And then, we, we, we start to lose our footing in terms of, you know, what we can do anymore. And so, again, I don't want to foment anything. You know, it's like there's someone's like Russia, Russia, Russia's uh, paying the Taliban to pick off our troops, and that turned out to be a bullshit story. And then there's, we're always trying to, like, agitate people so that they'll support military industrial complex adventures and more troops in Afghanistan. If Trump's going to withdraw troops, they want to make it seem like, oh, no, we can't do that. Russia's scary. But so I don't want to, you know, for China, you could obviously do the same thing. China's scary. We need to go crazy. But, but his thing was more economic and, uh, and information wise that this is a full out war and, and we need to take them on quickly before it uh, escalates into an actual kinetic war. Yeah, no, that's why I ask, because it does seem like it's headed that way or if we're not already in the middle of it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what the consequences are going to be, because it sure seems like we do a lot of <clears throat> a lot of business and training with them. Um, where else? Where else do you want to go? We could go a few few areas here, Liz. So there's a lot of things. Uh, one thing, thank Ted Bell, because uh, I was complaining because my Twitter feed, my Twitter feed, and then on the side, there was all this like clickbait, what's happening? I don't know if you have that on yours. 
like what's happening was like YouTube star dies at 20. I'm like, I don't want to hear about YouTube stars dying. Like it's just like that. It's just pollution to my feed. It's like to my brain. I don't want news that I don't care about that's trending or it's just, it's total garbage. So I was like, this is really, it started to bother me because every time I was looking for the stuff that my curated tweet would have, I'd have this, I'd have all this shit being put in my brain. And by the way, I'll just admit I had a few glasses of wine at dinner. And so... I believe they refer to that as a bottle. Yeah, well, three quarters. refer to it as a bottle. Yeah, almost a bottle. So <laughs> it, it's natural wine, though, so it's, it's healthy. Yeah, I'm, cool. I'm just teasing. So anyway, uh, point is that I was seeing this stuff, and it was getting, getting on my case. And it was not getting on my case. It was annoying me. And I posted about it, and I couldn't find a setting to turn it off. And Ted Bell was like, oh, just change your location for trending to Aruba. And I... Well, I went Antigua and Barbuda, and there's nothing trending there. So you just don't get you just don't get it. It's like, oh my god! It's like, it's like I went to the beach or something. It's like so much more peace. YouTube star dies at 24 while pregnant. I don't want to know. It's just, it's just like the the dark underbelly of the internet is coming into me unsolicited, and I'm glad to get rid of it. Well, there's so many things ways to go here with Twitter. I guess there was like a. Uh, I mean, there was a hack hacking yesterday that involved like Elon Musk and people asking for Bitcoin donations. And I guess like the blue checkers, you couldn't respond for a moment. And even someone, um, Mike Barner, Rotowire, uh, made a joke with like Dalton has Jimmy Garoppolo ranked last among his quarterbacks or whatever. Because, yes, I do have a blue check mark. So and I couldn't they weren't allowed or unable to respond or whatever. But and then during that hacking they, they found out that there's some blacklists or whatever, so it is possible to be shadow banned that everyone had, you know, Obviously, everybody, they knew right. that. I mean, that was I'm obvious. Kind of, kind of, sure. I guess it's wild, but not wild because it was so obvious, right? But, I mean, just right there in, in your face. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Twitter is political, you know, so it, there's there's edicts from above where certain views are more favored than others. And there's an argument to be made that, it's a private company. They can do what they want, although it's become like a public square because the reach is so big and so unique. Uh, there's also an argument to be made that certain truly nefarious content should be banned, but then I would ban CNN for the same reason. You know, I mean, if you're going to do that, and then you got to be the arbiter of who's banning what. I mean, this Russia disinformation campaign for three years, that's incredibly bad for the for the public, right? I mean, hate on Trump all you want. That, that's fine. He's a politician. You can, you're an American citizen, you, or not even an American citizen. You're a person of the world. You, if you hate the American president, say whatever you want about that dude, disagree with his policies, think he's a total scumbag, all of that's fine. But for actual media organizations to be peddling a totally baseless and evidence-free conspiracy that was debunked and they still haven't renounced it, I mean, if you're going to get rid of a lot of this like right-wing conspiracy stuff and some of the other stuff that has very little evidence, then you leave the other stuff up. It's like now you're not really talking about conspiracies. You're talking about picking sides, picking who is allowed to promote a baseless theory and who's not allowed. And so that's you know obviously problematic. We know that's going on. But the other thing that I think is the bigger takeaway that I've seen talked about a little bit is the honeypot from this, uh, it's not a honeypot, I was corrected by one of our followers. Honeypot is, a, is like a, something that you hold out there to get people to chase. It's sort, of a, it's sort of not a bluff, but like a fake thing. But the actual target that they have is not the 100 grand in Bitcoin or whatever they got. It's that if they access the direct messages of Gates and Musk and Obama and Biden, guys like that, who knows what they have? 
right? I mean, who knows what kind of exchanges they have. And then the real blackmail is going to start there. Yeah, I guess there was, I mean, I don't know this for sure or whatever, but there was reports that they got someone from the inside, a worker to help, even paint yeah. them or something. Right. So I don't know how much the details they got or if it was as simple as they, they made it seem like we got someone to do all the work for us. So it might have just been as simple as the Bitcoin scam. But you're, wow, yeah, what if they had the, the yeah. If they had the goods on somebody. Information could be in direct messages, no, no doubt. That right. could be, yeah, so, if they held the information for blackmail or whatever, that could be, yeah, far more outreaching than than what seemed like kind of a half-baked Bitcoin scam, too. So, yeah, I, I thought there was more to it. When I first read that story, I'm like, oh, what are they really? But maybe it was as simple as that. If you saw someone do that, you, you might immediately give them money. Like, but I don't know. I, I felt like there was a bigger, larger end game to me. So that, that, that would make sense. If you're going to take over all the massive influence of, of the largest names on Twitter, which apparently they did, getting 100 grand in Bitcoin seems like a pretty small score for that undertaking agreed and but getting the dms is big now you know i already treat twitter and even email as hackable and likely to become public at some point so i even your text messages even my my regular text messages right let's not talk about our other obsec stuff but like i don't like to talk about sensitive stuff in any of the basic channels because i just assume at some point it'll be compromised uh and so my dms are pretty tame like it's you know I'll, i'll dial it back but I did go out and delete like well, four, are, four or five posts, mostly from like five, six years ago before I even realized what was going on. But I deleted a few posts. I went through some accounts um, and I was like, uh, yeah, this is okay. I'll delete this. I deleted like five or six posts just from my DMs because I'm like, you know, this isn't about me yet, but, you know, just assume all the stuff's public and only leave up the stuff that you would tweet publicly. And it's all scaled. What I was going to say is your DMs must have been tame you know, relative to your mind. They must have been very tame. <laughs> They're already could have been out there. I mean, I just can't imagine you'd have been locked and thrown away for, for, for life. You know, one of the DMs I deleted was an exchange between you and me and the things you and I used to joke about. I mean, it's just not even it's not even it's so beyond the pale. The thing really is, is, the thing is that it's like, fuck you, you know, to those people. And I'm actually annoyed because, you know, I, I talk about Tommy G's feed and I, I think it's entertaining and. I want to get into this, like, the, given the dearth of legitimate accounting for, like, look, I mean, the Epstein thing's real. That was a real thing. He was sex trafficking minors for, we're not sure what purpose, but plausible purposes to get blackmail on powerful people. But he was definitely sex trafficking minors. And Bill Clinton was on his plane, like, 16 times in his island with Hillary. The presidential nominee, who's, you know, an inch from the presidency, was at his island, like, or his ranch, like, many times. Like, this is not, like, conspiracy. This is just reported fact, and it's not disputed. And so the fact that the, our media, the official account, has not dealt with that, you know, properly at all. They haven't said, no one's asked her about it in a way that she had to really account for it or bill about it or any of the stuff, or Bill Gates. I mean, this stuff's just, so it's left to the conspiracy theory. So I'm very sympathetic to people who are, like, you know, thinking about all this other crazy stuff because they, in no civilized society should the person who was an inch from the presidency be, who stayed at the ranch of a sex trafficker, you know, a, a proven sex trafficker who was suicided in jail or, or died in jail under very suspicious circumstances, just to keep it completely factual. That, that, that's okay. Like, it's, the official reporting is so pathetic. It's so uh, unsatisfying. And so it does not, is not sufficient to the moment of what's actually happened. The Epstein thing's not a conspiracy. That's a fact. And the fact that we have no real reporting on this beyond the Miami Herald. And, and, and what it has to do with these powerful people who are on the lists, this is just factual stuff. 
makes people want to, you know, make up all this stuff. But then I went uh, down Tommy G's feed and he was talking, he linked to some other guy, the Patriot, this guy or whatever his name was. And he's like going through these comedians feeds and it's some disturbing jokes they made about children and this and that. But it's like comedians posting shit on Twitter. Maybe it's indicative of some secret thing, but I started to get, feel kind of ill. Like, Oh, now he's just doing what the left is doing. Now he's just like outing all these people for some like, you know, inappropriate joke and then lumping them with pedophiles, which is like, you know, just like calling someone a racist, calling someone a white supremacist, a misogynist. These things are career death. So you don't lightly just throw those terms around because somebody made a joke or somebody did something. But now you see some of the right conspiracy people doing that about pedophilia, which is obviously beyond career killing. It's, you know, prison time. They're throwing that stuff around about comedians making jokes. And I feel like I started to feel kind of sick, like, oh, I don't want to follow this feed that I just got linked to because fuck you. You know what I mean? This guy's a comedian. He maybe made a tasteless joke. He's a comedian. Like, you don't want comedians not to make totally wrong jokes. Just like I said, you and I said a lot of wrong bullshit together, but we knew it. It was a joke. It was between you and me. Now, these guys published it on Twitter. It's a little different. But the point is, I don't want to stifle people from making inappropriate comments, jokes, about like weird shit that they, you know, they don't mean it. They're comedians. So now the right, I mean, I guess turnabout's fair play, but they're going back and they're trying to indict these comedians on these jokes and then label them as pedophilia, you know, pedos because of a joke about something. And again, if you have good evidence that they're really doing something, by all means, destroy them, obviously. But I feel like now it's going on both sides and this is not to me, that's not wholesome, and I don't support that. Like, I, I started to get kind of ill. Like, I don't, I stopped following that. I stopped following the feed of this guy because he was just quoting all these comedians from 2009, 2010, you know, where, you know, they thought they could, you know, comedians push the envelope. They say shit that's gross. I mean, they do all the time. So I, I don't know. I, I just started to feel like I don't want any part of either of these things. If there's good evidence that somebody is a white supremacist or a pedophile, of course, you know, that, that's, that's something that's actionable, but you know, but but just joking about stuff, I, I feel like that's a bridge too far. Yeah, comedy's a tough time right now, obviously. I think I said that last week's pod. It's a tough, you know, tough time for it. But I have a sick, dark sense of humor and easy for me to say, but I mean I yeah, I mean I I'm I'm not for the cancel culture stuff with, with that. But I mean, um I mean, yeah, it's a sensitive time. But I mean if you joke about something, let's say you shouldn't have joked, let's just say like what you joked about is offensive to many people and you like realize like oh that actually could hurt people's feelings even so you didn't do the thing you made a joke about it it's like people's brains cannot process because the symbolic and the real are processed in the same region of the brain so if somebody you know kills somebody unjustly and then you joke about somebody killing someone unjustly they will look at you like you actually killed that person like you did the killing no you you might have made a a joke that was ill-timed or insensitive and you're, that's on you if you've done that. But it's not, it's like night and day. It's not even the same universe as actually doing the act. So this is a very dangerous thing because people's brains don't distinguish. And I actually think that there's just like a petty pitchfork mentality right now that's like, fuck you, I want to destroy you, I don't care. I don't even give a shit. I don't care if you're a nice person. I don't care, you know, if 
have a family and you care about the world and you're doing good or whatever. I don't give a fuck. I want to destroy you because I'm fucking pissed off. And you know what? The target on your back and it fits. It fits right now. And I can get a mob of people to join me and we're going to fucking destroy you. And I think that's wrong. I don't care what, where your politics are, but I don't like, you know, calling these comedians pedos unless there's evidence they've actually done some shit, done some shit like in that direction. A joke to me is not, not enough. Yeah, no, I yes, it, this Chrissy Teigen, I don't even know who that is. Right. If you know who that is, she, she's just a gross. She is gross. But unless there's actual evidence that she's doing something, again, I think it's unfair to her. But she's gross. Ugh, I just find her just gross. I saw some of those tweets she made. She's fucking gross. But again, yes, I think it's harsh. I think it's too harsh. There's the Wayfair wormhole too. But yeah, man. I mean, of course, you can't take all that at face value, also. But yeah, I, I mean, I get caught in some of those down those wormholes and the conspiracy theories. And those. it's like everything in life. Yeah, they're, they're not all created equal. Yes, of course, lists. I mean, yeah. So talking about Epstein or whatever, and or uh, I guess back in the day, the Wuhan lab was considered it, but that's different than, yeah, some all celebrities or. You know, well, here, here's sex offenders it, it, or whatever, and, and yeah, and throwing around the word, uh, you know, that considering someone a pedophile is. Uh, you better have good evidence uh, on that. Yeah, yeah, because well, yeah, it's it's the same thing. It's like don't just call someone a racist because they brought up. Oh well, you know this controversial paper. What do you think about this? What you brought up that paper? You're a racist. Like that shit is not to be thrown around lightly, and obviously, pedophile. Do not throw that around unless you have good evidence. That shit is a fucking. That's a kill shot. You don't go to murder somebody's life uh, unless you have a really good reason. It can't be because they're not from the same tribe as you or you don't like them. You can dislike them. You dislike whoever you want. But trying to destroy people over innuendo is, is terrible. I think it's I'm terrible. I'm surprised that Tommy G specifically hasn't gotten – Twitter hasn't given him more flack. He's certainly I mean, got a lot of followers with what he's doing. But uh, I'm uh, Look, I, I'm fine. I, but in his defense, in his followers' defense, the – the official account of what the Epstein thing is is so poorly managed. It's so pathetic that what the fuck do you think is going to happen? This guy gets, the guy kills himself in jail because the cameras fail. And, you know, we've gone through this whole thing. And he was a sex trafficker of minors with powerful people. And Bill Clinton did go to, and Hillary, the, Hillary was an inch from the presidency, the, pre, the most powerful person in the world. And she went to the ranch. I mean, this is not being yeah, investigated. Maxwell's seat with uh, Chelsea's walk down the aisle. Chelsea Clinton's Yeah, she, she's right? in the wedding. I mean, this is not. not just, I mean, she's literally like right there in the aisle. Uh, I mean, her seat. Uh, right apparently, Jelaine, is that her real name? Is that I Jill always say it wrong. I just uh, said go with Maxwell. I, I just found that out. So Jelaine was like working with Bill Gates in the 90s, and then Bill Gates met with FC. I mean, these things are just, the Jelaine thing, that may, that's something that was reported by this one, Whitney Webb, and I don't know how reliable it is. Sisters are interesting, yeah. too. All, that whole thing, right? This whole fucking thing. And the whole, but it's like because our media is so pathetic, and there's such an obvious arm of the government now. There's such an obvious arm of power. They're just an extension. They're like the PR firm for the powerful that I I get why people are unearthing their own thing and following somebody like Tommy who's charismatic, he's smart, he is a good communicator. I mean, give him credit. They're following that because the the official account is such bullshit. So obviously we're so obviously being lied to that they're reaching out for something. And you know, again, I think they should be very careful not to smear people without 
really good evidence. I mean, I think posting like all the weirdness is legit. Like, what is this sign? What does this mean? Is there this thing? But, you know, be careful because just as you shouldn't be accusing people of racism unless they have a manifesto declaring their racism, not just based on some implication that you perceive, uh, you shouldn't be uh, accusing people, obviously, of a horrible crime unless you have good evidence because it's... Imagine if a million people were coming after you for being a pedo, like how horrible that would be. You know, and they say, well, if you are one, then you deserve it. But it's like, it's the court of the court of public opinion is not, it's not very uh, rigorous in terms of evidence. No doubt about it. That, that would be awful. Um, so Maxwell, do you have any thought, uh, any updates from the, over the last week? I think all I've learned is she's possibly married secretly and they're going to move her around different facilities. But, uh, I thought, I thought there was someone that was supposed to testify against her, but I never heard the results of that. Do you have any? I mean, the trial was set a year from now. I'd be surprised. Yes. Yeah, that's a long way. Are they going to kill her or is she going to end up getting bail and disappearing? Oh, my God. We're so sorry. We we had her under watch. She was she got, you know, she was assigned to a very secure place. And somehow the guards can, you know, who knows what excuse they're going to come up with. But you know, it's it's like Byron Buxton, who I drafted and both beat Chrysalis and uh, main event. Oh, maybe he'll be ready for opening day. You just don't even want to hope. You don't even want to hope. You know, you just don't even don't get your hopes up that Jelaine Maxwell is going to spill the beans because it just it just seems like I thought that last summer. And in retrospect, why even why even think that the truth is going to come out? No doubt. Um, all right. You want to talk about that baseball? You want to talk about that? You, you did also link to a PCR test scientifically possibly being meaningless article if you want okay. to talk about it. or anything else or go to baseball. Uh, uh, it's your pod. I'm just living in it. Uh, that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. I had a couple ideas. But, oh, yeah, let's, let's talk about baseball. And uh, well, we can talk about that PCR test thing. So I don't know. It's some link that I found. I don't know who the guys are. But it seemed, their arguments seem pretty persuasive that these you know, PCR tests are not very accurate. It's why, like, these players, you know, they get a positive, and then they get a negative, or they get a negative, and they get a positive, and then a negative, and there's a lot of false positives and false negatives, and then he basically, they basically underline the, the flaw in the test, that it, it's really made for uh, something else, for it. it's not really made for identifying viruses, and there's no standardized uh, amount of the virus that's found. Different viruses, cold viruses, or other ailments could mimic a positive test, and then we have all this testing, and obviously you want to test as many pe- people as possible, but just like you know, the uh, TSA, when you go through security, because terrorism is scary, is kind of bullshit, and they always do these tests where they try to get a gun through, they, they usually do, and it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just the security theater. And I started to think, like, what if testing is just sort of you know, security theater? Like, we're just acting like we've got a handle on this, and the test really isn't that reliable, but the fact that we're testing everybody just makes people feel a lot better. And then you look at like baseball and football and like there's just going to be guys popping up willy nilly because they're being tested so often with positive tests, whether they do nothing wrong or not. It's going to be like, oh, well, they had this bacteria. And so now they're positive. And they announced today three weeks for the NFL with the plan. Three weeks. Yeah, three weeks off. And in the NFL, that's a that's a lifetime. And so a lot of, you know, so many guys are testing positive and you're like, well, they were in the bubble or they're in the bubble, but they're sort of they knew it. They've been careful and yet they're all testing positive they have no symptoms a lot of them so i don't know it just seems kind of random to me again i don't know if that article is true there was a politifact article someone sent me that said that was false because xyz and i read the debunking and i felt the debunking was very thinly sourced it was sort of like these guys were kicked off the guardian which is like the new york times of of, uh, the uk for being you know 
whatever. And I'm like, yeah, neoliberal paper kicks them off. That's not a negative to me. Their test didn't count for X, Y, and Z. You know, their article didn't count for X, Y, and Z. And I read it. I was like, the debunking is very thin. The article was very deep and well-sourced. I'm not an expert on this, so they could have maybe fooled me. It's possible. But when you look at like a debunking, you want to like see it point by point and have them attack like their real assertions, not sort of a blanket like, ah, these guys are full of shit and just kind of hit and run piece. So who knows? But it makes me think there's going to be a lot of arbitrary positive tests in all these sports, not through the fault necessarily of anybody in the sport, but just because the test just may not be that reliable. Uh, yeah, that's horrible of the people in like the bubble who didn't even do anything wrong and they're going to be like accused of it. That's yeah. Well, there's so many variables, so many unknowns. Just add another one. But um, I guess I don't know. Where, where do you stand on that? I'm looking at my specific county is just like in all kinds of like critical condition at the ICU headroom and all that and the infection rate and all that specifically. But um, I guess it just kind of depends on where you live right now. Right. Well, I mean, I'm just doing the same thing I've been doing, which is, although we're seeing people now, which we weren't doing for a couple of months, but I'm like, look, you know, the, the curve was flattened. Portugal, the hospitals are not overwhelmed. Like, we flattened the curve. That was the point, right? We locked down, make it so that you don't have an Italy situation where there's people literally lined up in the hallways uh, who need care and can't get it. Like, that was unacceptable, flatten the curve. That's happened. Like, that's, in Portugal, knock on wood, it doesn't seem likely that we're going to get a surge such that the hospitals are overwhelmed. The point wasn't locked down so that the virus is totally eradicated, right? So if the virus isn't eradicated and people are out and about, well, it seems like people are going to get it. And hopefully what it is, and to some extent it is this, although it's not perfect, uh, it's mostly younger people who are getting it and getting over it. And again, we don't even know. There could be some long-term negative effects, so I don't want to minimize that. We just really don't know. But the pitch was lockdown and flatten the curve. And that's happened. I think it's happened, right? And so now we've gone out and cases are spiking. Um, Portugal, I'm looking at the latest stats. There were three deaths today or yesterday, I think today, 339 new cases. So, you know, it's still here. You know, we're not like ignoring it, but it's about 250 to 350 a day on average and a handful of deaths. I'm wearing a mask when I'm indoors in a public place. I don't wear a mask when I'm on the street. I wash my hands when I get home. I keep a distance from people. I'm not shaking anyone's hand or anything like that. And that's what I'm doing. I don't know. What, what about you? They delayed the decision for Chloe's school um, for now. So um, it sounded like public was maybe going to go online, and they delayed it for a month. So, And then I would assume Chloe's uh, school would follow suit. But that's just my main uh, decision in life is just wondering what's going to happen with her upcoming school but yeah no, i was just looking at it in my specific county the, the headroom use is 88 percent critical and the infection rate is a uh, you know 1.25 that's that's pretty high so that's just my area and the positivity rate super high meaning they don't have enough tests so i don't know i stay mostly at home still in the same if i'm indoors i'm definitely wearing a mask and um yeah mostly keep it my to keep into my self which is fine people who wants to who needs them people no seriously i mean seriously seriously, i'm becoming really a more and more uh, that's not even a joke anymore so i'm perfectly fine with my uh keeping very very close-knit group totally fine with it so helps me study for fantasy sports uh and and helps me dominate you which i clearly clearly did during this draft what's you did the main event the day after and i've since done my home league this slow draft so my mind barely remembers that draft and i'm sure yours does too but um uh yeah it was a good time i picked first you picked third you want to talk about it 
Yeah, I'll just say one thing though. Socializing is so overrated. And I'm starting to realize like, why am I even fucking there? You know, Heather likes to chat with the people, especially the wife of the family. That's fine. You know, they enjoy that. I'm paired off with the dude. I, or if we have to all be together, it's always bad. Like, I'm just going to say some shit that makes people mad, that makes people uncomfortable. Like, I just, I, why am I even fucking there? You know, I, sh- I just need to hang out with my dudes. People can talk about whatever. They don't give a shit. There's no agenda. And no one's looking to get offended. We're just talking. You know, it's like we're talking about whatever, about the world. Some people agree. Some people disagree. People are interested in ideas, not about what everybody else is doing or just fucking banal bullshit. I find find socializing almost in-fucking-tolerable. It's like intolerable. Why the fuck am I even there? I shouldn't be here. Like, I'm not... And they're like, oh, come on, Chris. You know, why are you just sitting there with the guitar in the corner just, like, strumming? Like, I'm like, all right, fine. Like, what, you know, what do you want from me? I'm not here to entertain people. Like, I have a fucking podcast and radio show. That's when I say what's on my mind. You don't want to hear what's on my mind. You don't want to hear my fucking diatribes or my fucking extended uh, ideas, you know, whatever. It's fine. I, you shouldn't have to. Why should you? You're not fucking, you're not interested in what I'm saying. That's fine. It's fine. Just why are we even fucking hanging out? There's no point. There's no point. You know, it's, there's no point. I have a couple of guys that I really like that I hang out with. We smoke a cigar, have a drink, and we have deep conversations about shit. And it's satisfying. It's like, ah, my brother, there's another dude on the planet that actually, you know, may not agree with me entirely, but like, we can have a real conversation about something. But this fucking social construct, I'm like, dude, I don't give a shit. Yes, I'm glad Sasha's playing with your kid. That's great. Run around, do your thing. You know, Heather seems to like the company. That's great. You know, talk about whatever you want. I just, there's no point in me being here. There's no point. It's not, there's nothing being served by it. There's nothing. You know, I don't care about your fucking neoliberal fucking outlook on the fucking thing. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. I don't believe in the fucking system. I don't believe in it. I don't subscribe to that shit. I don't subscribe to the fucking religion. I just don't subscribe to it. I don't believe in the premises that one is supposed to believe to get along with everybody in society. I don't believe them. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to talk about it. I don't need to reaffirm anything. I just have some ideas about education or about whatever. If you're interested, then we'll have a conversation. If you're not, fine. You, I am the wrong guy for you. Hang out with somebody who keeps you comfortable. That's fine. Hang out with somebody who's content with the fucking 2019. I didn't fucking think 2019 was going that well. It was fine for me personally, but for the world at large, I thought it was fucking not very good. So to me, this is an opportunity for something else. To you, it might be like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't wait to get back. There's no going back in my opinion, but maybe you feel differently. That's fine. I'm the wrong fucking guy to have at the dinner party. I'm the wrong fucking invitee. Do you understand? You have a fucking job. Go to your job and do it. You know, hang out with your fucking circle of people that affirm everything you believe and affirm each other's beliefs. That is fucking fine. I don't care. Please leave me the fuck alone. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe well, that's no, too much. No, that was good. That was good. Well said. And I wish I could give you a hard time, but I feel mostly the same way. And yeah, I'm equally, uh, yeah, piss people off. I hate both political systems equally right now. So yeah. it's no fun at a party. So um, I've just, yeah, yeah, I, yes, agreed on all fronts. Uh, yeah. Well, I have nothing more. What can you say? You just, you just did a perfect job. Let's talk baseball. All right. Let's talk some baseball. Cause I was into this. These drafts I've really enjoyed. I was like, eh, I don't give a fuck, but I started to give a fuck while I was drafting. Oh, it was so much fun. I had so much fun during ours. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Right. It was great. Mike, so, Mike the mouth talking a lot of shit throughout it. It was, it was good. 
Um, you pick first, take Acuna. Okay, no big deal. Yelich. And I was going to take DeGrom. Thank God I didn't. Now he's got some back issue. Uh, and so I take Bellinger. Okay, fine. First base is kind of scarce. No big deal. Okay, it goes up, it goes down. I thought from the previous mocks that I'd get Flaherty or Clevenger in round two. Not even close. All right, so it's round two. I wanted a pitcher. I was going to take Kershaw maybe, but I was like, you know, Devers is just 23 years old, total monster prospect. Fine. I'll see if I can get Kershaw in round three. But I forgot what you were going to do, which I should have known. Yeah, I didn't hide it. I told you. No, no, no. I didn't know. And I knew you liked Kershaw too because you were pissed in our one that didn't count that I dominated you in March. Yeah. Uh, that I that you know I took Kershaw from you, so I take Devers. You take Bieber and Kershaw. I'm like, all right, fine. And then I'm like, I like Darvish, but I'll get Darvish in round four because I don't, you know, I like Kershaw better. So you take Kershaw. I take COVID Freddie Freeman, and uh, he may be ready for opening day. I don't know. My, I'm just sort of playing it like if I get a, a one round discount or a three quarters of a round discount in round two to three, I'll take it. Like I'm not gonna. I'm treating it like a healthy younger person. It's the flu. He feels like shit, and then he's better, and then he's basically himself. Yeah, no, I got you. You took another risk too with Blackman later, and I'm trying to avoid those guys. It's been my theory, but good luck with that. And uh, I found myself, you know, even checking before every pick. Has this guy even reported? Me too. Me too. Yeah, so we'll we'll get to that in another guy uh, you ended up with. So so I take Freeman. Maybe it's a little early, but Freeman in the third is like unheard of if he doesn't have COVID. So I got Bellinger, Devers, Freeman. That's 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 a lot of bats. So it goes up and goes down. I'm hoping for Darvish, and I'm like, all right, fine, I'll settle for Giolito. He's gone. So I take Josh Hader. Josh Hader is going in like the third now. He's going super early now. So I guess that was a huge value. Yeah, the closers, I can't. The value, I mean, you you know more than because I think you did, you did the main event and it was did, insane. Uh, did it was Jeff did Jeff do the main event or did he do the no, same or the Roto Wire one? He, he did, did the road, He's doing the main okay. this week. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, anyway, the main event it was insane. Pushed up, right? The the closers. It was so sick. I mean, I was I I really played chicken. I I got away with it. I think, but. I think you should kind of repeat what you said on XM. I actually think that's pretty valuable. Uh, what your, your, your theory, you know, game theory, basically comparing how your specific league, because let me tell you, my home league right now is, was very, very interesting the way the pitching was drafted, but how you compared it, it's like, doesn't it just, it's all comparative to, to your league when they go, you do a better job. So eloquently do that. So like, all right, if everybody took a closer in the fifth, no, not everybody does the same thing, but let's say all the main closers went in the fifth round or all the main closers went in the ninth round. The, the thing you don't want is to be the guy who takes closure in the fifth round and all the rest of them go in the ninth round. Because now you've just completely, your opportunity cost for taking closer was a ninth round pick. And, you're, and, and now you're stuck with a ninth round hitter instead of a fifth round hitter or pitcher. So it's a huge mistake. But if everybody takes a closer in the fifth or everybody takes a closer in the ninth, it makes no difference because everybody else has the team they would have had anyway. It just everybody's bumped down or up around. It makes no difference. So the idea that like you're looking for this absolute value, you're like, wow, you know, look, that's way above ADP. I can't take a closer there. Or that's way below ADP. What a great value I had. It's kind of irrelevant. Your, your value is relative to the other people in your league. Because just think about it. If nobody took a closer the 15th round and you took Hader in the fourth, well, you feel great. You're like, or you took Hader in the seventh. You'd be like, I got Hader in the seventh. It's amazing. But then the guy in the 14th gets Kirby Yates, and you're not feeling so great about Hader in the 7th. It's all just relative to your league. So, um, And also, similarly, that guy who took eight Yates in the 14th is probably saying, oh, I got killer hitters compared to – but so did the other 11 teams that right. you know, didn't have to draft a closer either. That, I like that point. 
that you made. So I guess that in that instance, it would be different if you're considering it with the overall format. Then does it matter like your own league, how it performs? You know what I mean? Like would that no. theoretically make all those teams have better offenses? Right? No, no, because you have the exact same offense you would have had. You have the same players. Because you, everyone else is taking more offense. So they're just going away have, earlier. Yeah, it doesn't right, change okay. anything. It, you know, again, this is an unrealistic example where everybody did the same thing in one round or a different round. Everybody doesn't do the same thing, but just the point. A little be, instructive though. It, it just, is. Yeah, it just illustrates that if everybody takes closers in the fourth or everybody takes closers in the 14th, it makes no difference. You have the same rest of your players. It's just the round per round value gets different. You're like, oh, I got great value per ADP, except on closers where I had to take them in the fourth. Or I got bad value on ADP, but I got great value on my closers. It doesn't matter. In the aggregate, you have the same team you would have had. Now, what ends up happening in a draft is not everybody takes a closer or starters or whatever. But it just shows that you're, it's very important to read your particular draft. If pitching's expensive and it's going off the board, that means if you pass on a pitcher, the opportunity cost is big. If pitching's expensive and hitting is therefore cheap and you pass on a hitter, well, okay, fine, but you're going to get a, a better hitter than you would have later. The opportunity cost gets, it's not so bad. So, you know, it's the same thing in football, right? Like if you take a QB in the second round, Take Pat Mahomes in the second round. You're like, great, I got Pat Mahomes. But then you see someone else get Russell Wilson in the seventh, and you're like, wow, he got Russell Wilson in the seventh. Maybe I should have taken a running back in the second because the running back I'm getting in the seventh is Jordan Howard. So it's, you know, it's, it's also about opportunity cost. And opportunity cost is ADP-driven, but it's, also, but it's ultimately league-specific. And I, I just felt like I cracked a code in some way. I was like, oh, it's, it's kind of simple, like just draft for you know you draft for value but value within the context of how your draft is going in your league and i think all the best players just do that instinctively they will not come they will not say i used to be stubborn and say screw this everyone's paying overpaying for pitching i'm gonna load up on hitting get pitching on the cheap you can't really do that because yeah you got pitching on the cheap but everybody else got a discount on those hitters and everybody else your cheap pitching isn't that cheap because it's already been inflated you know, that's, that's right about the instinctive thing. Um, not only is it just naturally done, but I think even in the past, I've looked in the uh, same exact format drafts of these NFBC things and, and looked at player A, I drafted, you know, around earlier, but felt like different about it. It might not just be that my, my opinions change on the player. It might be that draft that just felt differently at the time. You know, the, 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 it could be different. You know, the two or three rounds is based on what position has gone there. It could, really can't change it. And that's why you feel differently looking back on it. Anyway, thought that was interesting. And, and haters, uh, with the closers in particular during this crazy year, I mean, are there only, what, a dozen that, that look locked into the role? Um, how many are they going to get? I mean, how many wins are even the Tigers going to get? I mean, so it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's very, uh, the saves are always kind of crazy. Saves and steals. But saves now maybe more year than more than any other year. It was insane in the main. I mean, I, I basically I like in the in, in the twelve. I don't mind taking closers early, but in the main, I always take them ten through fifteen because you just can't get that fifth yeah. round closer. It's just too much of an opportunity cost. You're like missing a batter or pitcher that you really need in the fifteen. It's too expensive. And, and but then in round ten, I got Melanson. I was hoping to get Iglesias. He went in round seven. You know, it was just so inflated that. I was just lucky to get anything at that point. So, all right. Oh, so, I think that, that's a coin flip too. I almost have Melanson retire too. Will Smith's like on the on the IL. No, no, I, I I love Melanson in ten. I got lucky, yeah. but I'm saying easily he could have gotten taken two picks before me. I would have had to go Ian Kennedy. I got him in the twelfth. 
So it's, you know, it's, it's sketch. Um, so, all right, I get Hader. You get Paddock and Granky. So now you've gotten Bieber, Kershaw, Paddock, Granky. You've gotten four pitchers after taking Acuna. Yeah, then, okay, so... Uh, real quick, I want to touch on those. I, I um, Grinky, I like just the Houston setup so much. It's not, I mean, they face the NL West too, and all all those parks. Um, but I strongly considered Robles. You need steals. I had them all locked up, and I searched him, and he hadn't reported to camp yet. And your ignorance might have been bliss here, as they say, or whatever. I don't even know if you're using that right because he did report afterward. But I've heard you talk on XM, and you draft. I don't even know if you knew that. Like, did you know that it, he, he may or may not have had it, and he had like not reported? Because that's what's, what really was the difference between me clicking definitely drafting Robles there with confidence versus no I'm passing no I didn't know I, I thought that he was uh just working on the Dominican there was some visa issues or something you know I didn't know what the deal was but no, Soto and Robles had unknown they didn't know what the deal was it's yeah. not reported so real man real man doesn't bother real man doesn't worry about that kind of bullshit so I took Robles because and, and I needed a pitcher I don't have a starter yet five rounds right he never did that in the FBC but I'm like I like a lot of the guys in the in the next range. And I was like, I don't love Corbin or Cast- I like Castillo's schedule, but I just don't like too many walks. Barrios, no way. Although I do like his schedule. So the, all these guys were sort of the same to me. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll take Robles and just lock down steals. Cause I didn't have a real steals guy. Bellinger steals a little bit. And I didn't want to be chasing steals in this format. So on the way back, I'm getting two out of three. I said, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber, you take Bauer, but I get Gray and Kluber. And there we go. I got my two guys. I think I got two 200 strikeout guys, you know, prorated, obviously. And are they as you know good as Kershaw and Bieber? No. But I think they could be pretty close. Like, I think they're sort of as good as Paddock, Granke, Bauer, Paxton. I, I feel just as good about those two as, as your other four. I actually like Lance Lynn better than those those guys who you got two rounds later in that Texas park. But yeah, one thing about Bauer, I will say, I mean, we're just nitpicking these these all here. Uh, I can't do any better than projection systems like Paxton in a shortened season, I guess, with uh, the Yankees. He's a, a baller whenever he is healthy. But Bauer is actually trying to pitch every fourth day. You know, that guy has a crazy arm back to his UCLA days. His long toss would be, you know, miles or whatever. Um, so if that really is true, he pitches every fourth day. I mean, he could be the, the uh, that, that would be sick. But I, I, I I guess I'll believe it when I mean, probably I should say it's probably unlikely, but uh, the management and he are both talking about that being a possibility. So if he throws, you know, 20 more innings than anyone, that would be something. Yeah, it would be big. Uh, I, I just think he walks too many. Sonny Gray, I love. He's really good. He was good in Oakland. seems like DH isn't going to be doing any favors, but they have a really easy schedule. All the Cincinnati Central Division pitchers. Kluber, two-time Cy Young winner. His velocity is barely off last year. He was hurt. Uh, he's healthy now. I just think that's home run pick. You know, and a lot of these pitchers in their thirties, like Granky, will have a bad year, come back and be like, oh, "Yeah, he's Zach Granky." Clayton Kershaw, K- Kluber is one of those guys. He's one of the elite pitchers of his era. So I'm, I was happy with that. Love it in the new park. Uh, even you know, he pitched for the Cleveland, which is a hitter's park, and this may be better. Um, and then I get Blackman, who had COVID, but I'm like, it's round eight. Why is this guy still on the board? Yeah, he went around four in my home league right now. So, yeah, that's that looks like value, as they say. Um, yeah, I mean, you're taking risk with, with Freeman and Blackman, I guess. And But, um, yeah, around eight, geez. I mean, well, yeah, round eight seems about right. 
and and I, certainly value. You get Josh Bell, Marcelo Zuna. Okay, just two building blocks. I know. Yeah, okay, so, what do you think? Twenty pitching in a row, six in a row. There. Um, what, what are your thoughts? So, I think I know what you're doing, and I think it's plausible. I think that in the end, it's going to be like a regular season. There's going to be very unpredictable. Like some guy who hits 400, or you know, some pitcher has an ERA under one because the sample's small enough for that to happen. But I think, like prorated wise, projections wise, it's going to be pretty true to form. I don't. I don't think that. I just think it might be, and that a lot of people are doing extreme stuff. I saw some guys draft like tons of relievers, you know, thinking, okay, this is the way to go, and that you're going to end up having problems. But I understand it because uh, hitting is so streaky over short spans. You just get anybody with at bats, so long as you get your steals. Batting average could fluctuate very wildly in sixty games. Um, that you may just dominate the pitching and then take your chances on just gamble on the hitting. As long as you're getting at bats, you know, maybe you can get there. You know, maybe you can get there. So in an overall contest, I, I think there's merit to the experiment. You know, I mean, I, I see what you did. I mean, I think it's, I think it's valid. Um, you called, I heard you call these guys ham and eggers at this stage, I think, when you, the black man, how dare you, Josh Bell's stat cast numbers, say, how uh-huh. dare you. But, and, and Zuna, man, hitting cleanup, I kind of hope Freeman does stay healthy there. Um, but, uh, but, uh, okay, continue. Lance well, Lynn, Yasiel, like Pu- Yasiel Puig's on that team now, too. It's a loaded lineup. So, uh, yeah, Lance Lynn I get. And then, of course, I get Buxton, who's now already, like. God, in this league, I forgot that, damn it. He's, yeah. But he's, but he's already, you know, I mean, he, they say he may be ready for opening day, but I don't even want to. He's going to go, like, 0 for 20 with 15 strikeouts and then shut it down. You know, it's one of those things where a banged-up Buxton is exactly what you don't want to be dealing with. Like, it just, he was healthy. Everything was good this offseason. I'm like. You know, last 40 games, steal, you know, 10 bases, be a star for me, and then you'll get hurt then. But can't even make it to the sure. starting line. How I know, I know. Yeah, what do you say, the finish line? Sorry, I was, I was complaining that you got Puig in this league. What a great oh, pick. But, yeah, in 23, uh, round 23, I got Puig. That's what I was complaining. Yeah, no, that's on the on the Braves. He would, like, go, like, where you got Buxton maybe even now. Like, totally. His projections were very, very Very optimistic. aggressive. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. Kind of, kind of screws my sleepy sleeper Adam Duvall, which I had at the end. He gets goes undrafted, but that guy mashes, and he was going to get at bats in Atlanta with all with Marcakis not playing. But um, now with Puig, it's a little bit more crowded. But anyway, yeah, Buxton, what are you going to do, man? I mean, just hard uh, it off the field. It sounds like you might be ready, so that's obviously but that great news. But geez, man, what that, a flat tire! Uh, I liked him too aggressive. By the way, to be clear, I strong. I would have yeah taken him probably there ten and eleven, and um, I, I'm on board with being aggressive. Uh, like you are a Buxton guy. I'm on board with it. So it was either him or Ben Benintendi actually was the other guy. I just like last year's bums and I like guys who can Benintendi was like a third round pick last year. I mean, yeah, exactly. You hit the lead off for them. And yeah, exactly. It's just like, just fantasy. take a guy who can, you know, win the league for you in round 10. This is a 12 in the 15. You got to be a little more conservative or like just steady Eddie's matter. And I got Rosario who's steady and solid. Yeah, well, I took Ahmed Rosario. He was like 48.80 P lower than your Eddie, like two picks before you, but I needed the bags bad that I'm yeah. actually like Rosario. Is a, yeah. You would have definitely bad. taken Buxton. That means if, if he were there, right. but yeah. all right, whatever. I mean, we'll see if Buxton survives. All right. The next round you get LeClarco. I hate, but yeah, who knows? I don't know. Texas I, I might be, he prefer Melanson right now. Trade in a heartbeat. Yeah. So I don't like LeClerc. And then I get uh Corey Seager, who I really like. He'll probably get hurt too, but he's good for now. I like Kimbrell. All you nutless monkeys are vastly overrating a very small sample of him pitching badly. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, if you, if you just get rid of 2019, you'd be like, this guy would be the top five closer right now. Yeah, his walks are out of control. But I'm, no, I'm, I'm okay with Kimball. I'm yeah, totally third, round 13. You get Justin Turner. I know that's a Derek Cardi pick. You get Jimenez, who 
It's the closer in Detroit. I mean, you know, we a lot, but yeah, closer. So I really considered uh, Kayla there to third because I'm worried about Leclerc and I was debating. And he's another guy that I did not even realize till later who hadn't reported. And then this, of course, Senzel already gets hurt immediately after. They but he's all right. Senzel, I was pissed when he took Senzel. Senzel's a good pick there. Number, t- for the number one overall pick. Second, second pick overall. Okay, stole second. like 14 bags in like 100, like in like... 200 at bats or something like a couple years ago. So 14 bags hurt last year. He could easily steal 30, you know, in a full season. I mean, this guy could be a superstar. This is a number two pick. He's in the Reds. He's going to get easy pitching, good matchups. Going to get it back to the DH. Oh, it's just, it's, yeah. I, I was pissed about that. Um, I get Mike Miner, who I like. I get Oda Rizzi, who I like on the Twins for wins. I get Fulty, who I like. I was pissed that I fucking missed out on Dylan Bundy. I got him in all three of my beat Chrysalis in March, and I haven't got him in either of my two leagues yet. And that pisses me off because Bundy's going to be a monster. But I, I got Faulty, who I like. You got some, what's the deal with Braun? Everyone's starting to draft Braun because the DH is that why he's moved up so much? Yeah, it's just the playing time. Yeah, that park is really good, and they're good. I liked the the Braun Garcia combo there with the the Brewers. But I know older guy. Maybe he's you know he also runs as a thing. So right. Um, but yeah, I uh, I will say the Texas getting the three Texas pitchers is nice. Hopefully that jet stream you know matters with the, with them playing indoors now. But otherwise, just look at all those pitchers parks there, and I like minor. So so I got a lot I got a lot of pitching depth. Like so I don't have an ace, right? I like Sonny Gray, Kluber, Lynn. I like all three of those guys, but I don't have an ace. So I had to get like minor or Rizzi, Faulty guys. You know guys who can go six seven innings, get you strikeouts. I'm just going to need to go volume here because I have a ridiculous hitting, plenty of speed, three closers. But it's all going to depend on the pitching. And, I, you know, I, I like the guys I got, but, you know, the seventh-round pitchers, they have all the tantalizing upside, but Kluber just ends up being a flat tire and I'm screwed. Or Lynn, the park isn't that great, and Lynn sort of, like, peaked last year. You know, it easily could go out from under me. I will say I like Doolittle in 18, too. I mean, he may not even end up playing or whatever, but as of now, he is. 18. And, I mean, World Series champ. Yeah. Close Washington can win a lot of games. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, with, with, with save such a premium, I mean, I like Daniel Hudson, whatever. It's a sleeper, but he went like three pick, or even before him. You got him after Daniel Hudson. Wow. Yeah, that was yeah, weird. I, it was I like weird. Sean Doolittle in, in 18th round. Gallegos or whatever his name, I, he hasn't reported yet either. Went one pick before. So, yeah, no, it was super fun. And I got to sign up for, um, I'm definitely doing at least one main. I probably will do two, and I only have a week here. So, uh, you're done with yours drafting? I did. No, I've got one more beat Chrysalis uh, in a couple of days, but I, you know, I did my main, which I liked yeah. also, except the Bucks in picking round nine in the main. That's kind of big for me. But I got a lot of guys. I got Isaiah. Kiner Falefa, which I sp- I should have drafted. I I got snaked on Kikuchi, and I was like, all right, I'll take Nick Madrigal for upside, which is dumb. I'll get Falefa because I needed a catcher, and then he goes the next pick. Now he's the starting third baseman. I'm pissed off, man. I, I should have got him in twenty nine. I don't know why I took Nick Madrigal, and so I got Jan Gomes. So that was the only thing. My second catcher's crap, but I got like Cesar Hernandez in round twenty seven. He's leading off for the Indians everyday yeah. starter. I got Puig in twenty three. What do you think, Carter Keboom? I got him in both leagues. He's going to start. He's a really good prospect. He had a terrible cup of coffee last year. It was like 40 at bats. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's just like Howie Kendrick hasn't reported either. So it'll probably get starts either way. But um, yeah, that was aggressive. Um, I don't know. These young guys, the projection systems are so, you know, NLMs, really. So yeah, um, they are it could NLMs. be a guy to break out. Sure. Yeah. I like Senzel, though. I got him in like two or two or three leagues preseason last year, you know, this year. And. I just think that's such an obvious, that's just like when he breaks out, it's like, yeah, obviously. 
Washington is an awesome park, man. It's underrated. It's not just, you know, it's easy to throw around these. It's a good park. Like it's ranked, you know, right behind Coors. I mean, well behind Coors, but I mean, after Coors, it, it gets in the argument is the best hitter Haven. So I mean, it's, it helps. That, and that, Miguel Cabrera would be remiss. Uh, dude, I, I wrote, I wrote up everybody that I said with him, I said, is he going to win a second triple crown or what this year? That's basically the only question with him. I love that dude. I don't know why everybody, you, I saw your Yahoo column where you're like, Shitting on one player from every team, and you picked a lot of my players. How could I pick? Did, well, I, I look like a, a nutless monkey. Matt Boyd. There are like five teams that suck. They don't have anyone, and I and I even wrote on my thing. I'm like, I refuse to say any bad negativity about Boyd's out of my mouth. I liked the one guy they had. So, but most some teams are just so bad. Like my Giants. Like the, Tony Watson, I think is their highest ADP. I mean, that's ugly. But Did, sorry, ed- it's Miguel your, Cabrera. Your yeah. editor is so nutless. So you wrote. There aren't many bus stops in Detroit. You won't hear me bad-mouthing Matthew Boyd. So let me advise you to aim higher than banking on a bounce back from 37-year-old Cabrera. And I've got him in both leagues, of course. You asked me to aim higher than that. But then the nutless headline, there's a picture of Cabrera that says, it's probably not the year to draft Miguel Cabrera so highly. Oh, yeah, like anyone's drafting him so highly. No, that's definitely not me. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He's being drafted so highly in round you know, 24. Oh, my God. You know, what, if I, what, what, what will I do if he doesn't pan out? But no, I, dude, he was hitting with just his arms last year you have to understand this dude is one of the best hitters of all time so when he when he gets his legs into it if his knee is okay he's gonna be a beast yeah there's some scrubs going around there i guess too at that point but uh, fair enough I, I i just have to say that i love this i, I have no idea it's going to work in a 15 teamer i'm curious um but um I, I i like this even in a full season that would have been my strategy even more so the more i thought about it um so we'll see how it goes but I just think starting pitchers, the, the analogy keeps being made, but like running backs, but I really think it's exactly the same. And that's why I've been going nuts, drafting four in the first five rounds. And um, yeah, I, I'm going very heavy in starting pitchers. Uh, even next year would be the same plan. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, you know, do you want to we get a bet? We get a bet here. Of course, 100, 100 on who does better uh, in the overall, I think, not the league. Whoever does better in the overall, uh, 500 for winning the league outright, and then 1,000 to the loser if one guy wins the whole thing right okay done how much thousand to the loser if the other guy wins it it's only 25k so it's like you'll be a little you'll be a little pissed should we do 500 to the loser because you're not gonna win shit you're gonna okay you just cost yourself 500 with that i don't even know why i won i don't yeah it's okay i like you so so here's the thing so what did miguel cabrera in his shitty last year playing on no legs what was his batting average last year Oh God, Miguel, uh, 260. 282. Dude, this guy, just with his arms, hit 282. He couldn't get any power. He had 12 on. Uh, 346. He, no, sorry, 398. He didn't have power because he couldn't get his legs into it. Now he is healthy. This guy can still hit. Yeah, I know it's possible. Dude, Who else dude you're going to rue the day you should have Miguel Cabrera at age 37. <laughs> Okay, you're not going to lose your league if you take him either. By the way, I, I, that's that's funny. I took him in both. I took him in both, and I didn't get Puig in the other one. But I got Buxton, who's already the Buxton thing. It just pisses me off. People are giving me a lot of shit, you know, for taking. You're him. the Buxton guy. Well, I, I'm not the Buxton guy. I'm just you know someone who recognizes value where he sees it. Yeah, I'm joking. Boy, the rest of the 24 is pretty ugly. Like Huriano, um, Dylan Cease, uh, Chavis isn't even starting now. John Gray. 
Yeah, there's some ugliness. Yeah, in that no, round that you got Cabrera, that's a steal. You got Kevin Gossman. That's, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Gossman, a former prospect who's been in the AL East his entire – that guy was like a former top five overall pick, been in the AL East his entire career. Now he's in, in Petco in the NL West and the Giants. Yeah, and he ball, is like swinging strike percentage was like in the 14s last year. No, I like that one. Yeah. Sorry. But like I I, give me Cueto over him. And the other thing is that uh, he may get some strikeouts, but like he's – his chance for wins is very slim. And it's like he's going to get like two wins. That's like yeah, the best he can do. Not exactly a loaded lineup. You're and and you're like, if you get a pitcher, the thing about a pitcher, I mean, if he's elite, it doesn't really matter. You know, he'll get you whip in ERA. But if you get a pitcher that you're like, yeah, he's kind of like a four ERA, 125 whip guy, but he's good. You know, he, he's good, but he's on a bad team. Then you like, you give up wins. You're not, he's not like projected to help you in ERA and whip. So it's like he's a one category player, basically. He's helping you in right. one category. But I, I took I took Cueto in my main for the same. You, know, you could say the same thing about him. I think Cueto is actually good. I, I don't know if he's himself, obviously, but Cueto is like always out pitches peripherals, super crafty, knows how to pitch. I think in that projection part, systems absolutely hate him. So I guess it's just must be what people coming off surgery that showed uh, like a half a year decline at that age. Or something. I, I don't think they're, I don't think that's smart. It's just strikeout. He's rate. always outdone him. It's his D, it's, he holds uh, he holds you know the runners on first and and, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, Cueto's interesting. But I'll definitely do a Gossman Cueto bet if you want that. Yeah, I'll probably bet you straight up like twenty bucks. Not that much. I'm not. It's not like I got Cueto. Like Cueto. No, no, we got to. I got him in like the twenty fifth round or something. In the main, but yeah. but I'll say I'll say this: the projection systems are very. They're not as you're, you're giving them too much credit. I, I think they're just like Cueto had uh, thirty eight strikeouts in fifty three innings two years ago, and last year thir- I mean thirteen. There's a tiny sample. Doesn't really matter. But thirty eight strikeouts in fifty three innings two years ago, and they're like even though he had a three twenty three RA and one eleven WHIP, they're like. That's a shit pitcher. Thirty-eight and fifty-three. He's done. That's that, it's simple as that. It's strikeout rate. Like those projection systems, all those projection systems. What they're mostly about is the is the predominant trend of a of an indicator, right? So, like, if a guy has a low strikeout rate, it means there's more balls in play. He's that means that you know he's at the mercy of BABIP. He can't control it when you're striking out. You know, especially in this day and age, you know, ten and a half, eleven per nine. You're controlling, you know, almost half of the, you know, in a nine inning game, almost half of the outs are, are strikeouts. So you just get rid of so much. But when you're dealing with balls in play, now you're taking a huge risk. And I think that's such a huge factor with those projection systems that they just don't project the, uh, the low strikeout guys very well. Gossman's five years younger former number four pick this this is going to turn out ugly for you all right well 20 20 20 bucks tommy john yeah well tommy Uh john is no big deal he can't no if a guy comes back in september from tommy john he's good gossman did strike out 114 in 102 innings last year so the projections is like him but he had a 572 era last year like he had a 142 whip this guy yeah, is only throws two pitches. Like it's a concern how much he could be as a dude, starter. Like dude, this guy order, but. is eminently hittable. He is like hittable as hell. You know, they just he does not know how to pitch. He's a thrower. I got a I got an elite pitcher. I got a craftsman, an artist. Look at that swinging strike rate. That's the elite fourteen point eight. You know what might bother them actually is a little bit not having Posey. Man, that's gonna be ugly. It's already ugly lineup. Now that we couldn't even name the catcher if Joey Bart's not ready. And he's Posey uh, is a typically a, a good defensive catcher, so that could hurt their pitching with the yeah. framing there. Well, but anyway, Liz, uh, good times. Uh, I'm I definitely hope baseball actually happens. And yeah, like I said, I'm do do a main event myself, and um, we'll see. If I can do that, and, and do you think a 15 team's harder to do? I'm obviously, it's harder, but do you think it's still doable, my strategy? 
it's harder because what you need to do with the the hitters, you can say, well, look, it's a small sample. I'm just going to gamble. But you need at-bats. You can't win without the at-bats. So it's going to be harder to get the at-bats. But well, and, well, the, and the closers is the other problem, is that you, if you take you know, six pitchers, you take a hitter and six pitchers, well, okay, seven and eight, you're going to need to get closers because there's no closers left. I got Melanson in 10. That was lucky. So now you're not getting hitters. So, you know, you may get one hitter in seven, eight, one hitter in nine, 10, one closer. Now you're basically, or you might get one closer in seven and then get a few like partial closers in the middle rounds or something. And you get hitters from like, you know, eight through 15, but you're in 14, 15, you know, you're not getting uh, rock solid hitter. You're not getting guys that are guaranteed to play. So you're going to have a lot of, you know, imagine like the 18th round of this draft. You're going to have a lot of like Sam Hilliard, Dylan Carlson, Miguel Andujar. You might get a Gene Segura or someone like that. Jock Peterson. Those are guys who went around 18. Yeah, those are ugly. Or you could get CJ Crone, who's a baller and hits cleanup on his team. (laughs) Yeah, you could, uh, Detroit. Yeah. You you can get guys like CJ Crone, but probably around 14 or 13. I mean, it's it's just going to be hard to get the it back. Clean up behind Miggy is going to be just on. Well, that is that is a great point. That is a great yeah. point. <laughs> well, Miggy's going to be like clearing the bases so much. He's oh, not, that's right. Yeah, good. He's not, he's, You're right. Power's back. Well, he'll he'll, he'll hit a lot of doubles, and he's not going to score from second on a single. I guarantee you that. So, yeah, I, I mean, the point is that it's a lot harder. I don't think you can go six straight start. I think you can go three. You can go like hitter three starters, hitter hitter. And then get some more starters in the middle rounds. I don't know. You could try it. You can, I mean, do the experiment. I just think you don't want to be light in at bats. Yeah. I'll let you know. Exactly. No, it's definitely going to be a problem. It's going to be crazy, the whole waiver wire, everything. But um, yeah, it will be interesting. It's uh, what, a week from where we're recording right now? It's going to be baseball, uh, Giants and Dodgers, even on the Thursday night. But it uh, should be good stuff. All right, man. That's all I got for you, Liz. Do you have anything, uh, you, have anything you want to recommend or anything else in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I probably know the shit. I can't remember, but uh, I've been watching some Rick and Morty's uh, last couple of days. We've talked about them before. That cartoon is so good. It is so much better. I was watching that uh, Midnight Gospel. It's okay. Rick and Morty is like 10 times smarter than that, I realized. It's like so, it just gets like so many things that are going on right now. It, it kind of addresses in a crazy way. And it's just so good. I love that show. I mean, I'm like, the writers of that are just geniuses. Totally agree. I've watched, uh, I believe, every episode. I have uh, Rock the Rick and Morty shirt every now and then. I agree. Very, very smart show. I think it's been renewed for like a ton more episodes so, too in the future. Um, one other thing, it's a show, a, a docuseries. I know you love the documentaries. Five parter on Showtime called Outcry. Really, some dark material about some high school star football player gets accused of something awful that we were discussing earlier in this pod, and uh, turns out may or may not be innocent. But uh, anyway, it's really, really crazy, and it's all real life and. Uh, five-part series on Showtime called Outcry. And uh, that's all this. Um, yeah, hope uh, Heather and Sasha are doing well. All right, man, thanks. Hope, you, uh, hope your family's doing well too, man. Take it easy. Talk to you next week. Uh-huh.